Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Hard-edged, hard-nosed, hard to beat. Where are you coming from in this one? Your 100% essential download. Jim White and Simon Jordan. You let this get out of control. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, everybody. Thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily talk sports show. We are back for a new year, and there was no shortage of talking points to get stuck into from disgruntled fans to disgruntled managers. Now then, you would be... Mr. Jordan, back Mr. in the house. Mr. Simon Indeed. Jordan is back in the house. How might you be? Good. Good two weeks away. Recharge the batteries. Yeah. Um, been to the dizzy heights of Hull. But how did and that Wilshire go? Wiltshire and Marbella. Yes, it was lovely. I tell you what, um, I thought NASA Al Khalafi was charming, but Akun uh, Ilikali at Hull and his chief executive, well, you know, I understand they've got a new football club and they're laying on great spreads, but what a wonderful um, setting they've got there. Now, last time I went to Hull a couple of years ago, they were getting 9,000 fans in on Boxing Day. This time around, they've got 21,000 fans. Place is jumping. Wow. Liam's doing a good job. You know, you, you can't want. These, this club to do any to not to not do well because yeah. Akun is so focused on giving these fans what they want. Liam so very nice. Yeah. yeah, Liam was very nice. Yeah, no, Look, that was nice to let you in. This and time. I'm attributing some of the upturn in recent form in the league due to my visit on Boxing Day. <laughs> and I've told Liam to see you that. <laughs> Dean Ashton, only he could take credit for how well Hull are going at this time. It's, it's an incredible turnaround, isn't it, from the last time that you uh, yeah. you tried to go? <laughs> well, he wouldn't let me in last time. Yeah, yeah, because I, 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 yeah. I, I remember listening to that. Made some so. notes about how the uh, owner was picking the team, which would be like. <laughs> <laughs> so they're going places. Good to hear, good to hear, Simon. Uh, Mr Ashton, you've been working constantly, uh, and you are at... The Etihad, right? I was, yeah. yes, yeah, yeah. That was that was chastening for Chelsea in that first half. That was um, a real going over. It was it was a bit embarrassing, if I'm honest. That first half for for Chelsea and, and Graham Potter. So, yeah, it was great to be up there and, and watch that. City were terrific, by the way. We'll take nothing away from them. They were. I mean, that's that third goal was just yeah sensational. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one wonders, I mentioned it with Laura and Ali. I, I was on with them very briefly before I came on with you guys. You and I were in Qatar. You and I met Todd Bowley. Yeah. Can you, you're very good at summing up somebody right away, Simon. You've got, a, you're a very good judge of character. Do, have you 
any way you could second guess where his mindset will be at the moment? Regards Potter, regards what's going on at Chelsea. Well, look, I mean, the, the, the idea that the Chelsea fans are singing for Thomas Tuchel um, and using that as some sort of undermining of Graham Potter, that's what football fans do every now and again. I don't get the impression, and neither should Tom, uh, Todd Bowley be looking at it down the pike of what's happening at this moment in time. We are living in a narrative of what Chelsea have been since 2003, 2004, which is bang, turn the lights on or get out and we'll turn them off for you as a manager yeah. in terms of Abramovich's position with managers not achieving things in the short term. You know, he took a big step and there's a lot more behind the scenes of Tuchel that would make most people's eyes water as to the reasons why Todd Bowley made that decision. And it wasn't just a case of losing to Dynamo Zagreb. It was a case of a whole raft of other things. That's Todd Bowley's gift to tell people what that is. But it opened my eyes and I'd have done exactly the same thing as Todd Bowley did, which is you can go, mate. Now, he's, he's alighted upon Potter and Potter's got to find his head He's got to get himself together because like Danny Murphy said, and I think even Dina said this, about the, the, the changing of formation, the not being able to settle upon a settled way of playing. But then again, if you've got a lot of players out, then you are going to have that challenge. But notwithstanding that, I thought Chelsea were OK in the first half in the league game against Man City. But obviously on the weekend, they've got their heads handed to them. I think you have to look at what Chelsea are doing. It wasn't so long ago that we were going, what a result against RB Salzburg that was. Yeah. Go there and beat them at Salzburg. Yeah. I think Potter will be OK I don't think he's going to be the holy grail for them. I, I do understand why they brought him in because of what he's done prima facie at Brighton and how he's kept on moving through the gears. I do think Potter will come up short, but I don't think it's time for them to be making changes now. Makes me think when we talked to you about Ten Hag early on, so does Potter's suit fit? Well, that, that anecdote that I used was about presentation. It was about a person that looked to me like he was shrinking in front of the cameras rather than pushing his chest out. And, you know, and we can make fun of that analogy. But the same thing with Potter. There is language that Potter's using which isn't the language of an elite manager at times that does look like he's a little bit caught in the headlights. But I think he's got the character. I think he's shown that he's got the character. Now, I know it's a vast step to go from Ostersens to Swansea to, um, uh, to Brighton and then into Chelsea. But... I think the guy, I think what Chelsea will do is they'll assess it over the course of this season. They've got a lot of dough invested in this fella. They've spent £20 million to get him out of Brighton. Yeah. They've spent a lot of money bringing in the backroom staff that he wanted, whether it's a director of football. You know, whether people like Cucurello are good signings and whether Top Bowley had his pants pulled down by people at £60 million, they're different discussions. But I think you've got to let this guy have some rope to either run with or... Well, you were there, I, Dean. I, I, think you... He, I think he looks in his interviews. I mean, he's already, and he's got to be careful, I think. He's already sort of had a little bite at the at the media, hasn't he, about saying that I'm having to answer some stupid questions and these sorts of things. And I think it's it's probably bothered him that, you know, I know people are saying, well, they've lost six of their of, of the last eight, I think it is, or, or nine. But if you look at those... It was those Ar are better sides right now. Arsenal, Arsenal, Arsenal at home can... They, they yeah. were absolutely flying. Newcastle were flying. Three times yeah. you play Manchester City yeah. twice away. Yeah. Newcastle away is going to yeah. be a tough... Brighton's it's the one Brighton that was... a, It's Brighton getting a chasing. It's against Brentford where they drew and it's other games where they, you would have... And Villa that but, have But them. I think, add to the injury list that he's got, I think it's probably... It's probably even surprised him how much pressure and how much focus has been put on well, him should, personally. He shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have done, but yeah. I think probably just... If you look at all of those aspects and... Albeit, you watch that first half yesterday and you say, well, that's not good enough, yeah. regardless of who's mm, out. Mm. With the players you put out there, they should be better than that. Yeah. But I think he's probably a bit like, I've come into this job, I've had those fixtures, and I've got this injury list where you've got, for me, two of the best fullbacks in world football, and arguably, before his injuries, the best defensive midfielder in the world in, oh, in sure, Kante, sure. out. Yeah. Any team would struggle with those 
type of injuries as Liverpool showed when they had. But they're still their good. I mean, their starting eleven yesterday was still good enough to to to, to do a little bit better than they well, the did se- against. Yeah, well, especially, the, especially, especially the senior players. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Dini went into yesterday's match with just six points from 24, 10th in the Premier League. Anyway, this was Potter uh, on where it's going wrong at this time. The results, in terms of in a small space of time, aren't positive. I've said before, you can make excuses and uh, look for reasons, or you can say it, it isn't good enough, and, and both of those answers are correct. So we have to keep improving, stick together, because clearly we're suffering as a football club and it's not nice at all. But that's the way we're at, at the moment. That's where we are at the moment. So, Dean, do you think a certain number of Chelsea fans screaming for Tuchel are, are becoming a bit hysterical right now? I just think that is... I think that is just some supporters. I think that's that's what they're like, and they can change very quickly. I think if Potter was be able to get results, they would change that that opinion very quickly. I look at I look at the, what he did at Brighton, and I look at before he left the sort of stats that he was producing. Yeah, he he was only really behind Liverpool and City, and maybe Leeds in terms of intensity out of possession. He was only probably behind City and and Liverpool in terms of possession for a team like Brighton. I think he needs to be given time for himself to adjust to new expectations totally different to what he had at Brighton and let him get some of these injuries back and maybe some of his own players and then I think we'll start to see the real Graham I want him to do well and I think he yeah, will do well so do I I mean I want, you want English managers to prosper and you want to see them managing the elite sides and you want to put that well-trodden narrative of people like Harry Redknapp there's only foreign managers if it was Eddie Howe he'd get a top if it was called Eduardo Suarez he'd have got a top job and that sort of narrative that English managers want how, to put how, out there How hard is it as an owner when you look at your side and they're 10th you've got full depends how big your balls are and depends how much you believe in your fella if you sit there and say, well, I've made this decision mm. and I know what I've made the decision for and I'm not going to deal with it in the short term and I don't care about the background noise and I don't care who ridicules me and tells me that I wanted an all-star game. I know what I've put in place. I know what I've put them in place. So you're just going to have to wait with it. I think Bowley will be that way. I've already heard people saying he's out of his depth and, and they should get rid of him now and, and those sorts of things. If you're an owner, how, how hard is that to, or is it not? No, it depends. Well, look, if you're a new owner, everybody is, you know, everybody has a learning curve and you learn with your chin and your checkbook sometimes and people take liberties with you and then you look, you square that circle relatively quickly. They get you but, eventually, don't they? Well, no. The screams well, no, of the fans? You, no, not really. What gets to you is the evidence of your own eyes. You can see it for yourself. You don't need to go to training grounds to see what they're talking about on a Saturday on, on during the week. You can see it on a Saturday afternoon. You don't need to listen to the media and they're no not they no nothing nonsense at times. You need to look at what's in front of you and what's coming behind that and the reasons behind it. And you assess it for yourself. Now Bowley is nobody's fool. He's absolutely nobody's fool. No. And um, and of course he will have made this appointment and there's an element of well, will he want to stick with it because he's made it? No, I think he'll be brutal if he doesn't think it's going the right way. But right now it is far too early to assess it and I think they'll give him until the end of the season and if he stinks the place out and Chelsea finish 10th after 38 games and not 19 then I think you'll have some different okay. conversations starting to reverberate next up Fulham on Thursday night in the Premier League at Craven Cottage very very big game for Chelsea of course big game for both clubs welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation outspoken with White and Jordan Manchester United overcame Everton on uh, Friday night uh, in the, the FA Cup. Maybe no great surprise in that, but did Everton show that um, very much they back Frank Lampard? Did they show that they may or may not 
have a bit in the tank to start going in the right direction. Certainly before that game on uh, Friday evening, former Everton uh, defender Alan Stubbs joined me on the breakfast show. I was on breakfast on Friday morning. This was Stubbs and he didn't hang around. The fans have had enough, you know, not just with Mr. Machiri, but with the with the board that are there now. Bill Kenwright, Denise Barrett Baxendale. Since Bill came into the club, he said he wants to take this great club to where it belongs. If you're going to run a successful club, you need two qualities. You need to be realistic and you need a plan. I'm realistic and I have a plan. He hasn't had a plan. Everton are in a position now where there's no point hiding behind anything. The fans have had enough. We've spent over 500 million and the team is no better than where it was before Mr. Machiri spent a penny. Simon, I'm looking at you. I know you're raring to go on this. I mean, after sight the board chance last week, yeah. banners this time around, is it too easy to lay the, the blame at the, the door of the boardroom? I'm not sure where Alan Stubbs gets the fact that we've spent 500 million quid. Machiri's had his pants pulled down and spent 500 million quid. He's the guy that's wasted a lot of money. Of course, the outcomes are not where they should be. They're nowhere near where they should be. And people have to take responsibility for it. And Machiri and the people that he had around him from Marcel Brands upwards have to look at some of the acquisitions and look at the decisions that they made with Ancelotti mm. that we called earlier in the day was not going to be the appointment that had an outcome attached to it. And some of the players that they bought. But if I had chose to spend that money... And he did, right? So let's let's look at the reality of sacking the board. OK, go on then. And we placed them with who? And, and who's going to walk through the door and buy the football club and pay the price for it and spend lots of money? Now, we know that, and I've been very critical of Fyde Mashiri, I think he's had his pants pulled down on transfers, on managers, on the overall direction of the football club. But you can't deny that his commitment is to try and get something better. The outcome is poor. Now, the tragedy is Frank Lampard is not a good enough coach and those are not good enough players. So you're going to find yourself in a difficult situation. They're conflicted now because they can't buy and sell players because they're just under the wire of financial fair play. So there's governance over what they can and can't do. Sack the board and do what? Go on then and do what? Bring Alan Stubbs in. What's he going to do? The same as he did at St Mirren. Lasted for five minutes before my mate, my mate got rid of him. Come on now, let's get things into context. It is a very disappointing situation at Everton. It's not good enough. Mashiri's made some dreadful mistakes. They've bought some very poor players. And they haven't got the right direction of travel going there. But to turn around and simply say, not because the ballroom's my mate, not because I like Bill Kenwright, and I, you know, I couldn't care less about Denise. I think they've made bad decisions. But to sit there and say, the answer is sack the board is just laughable. But you're sticking up for another boardroom. No, I'm saying that you you call it for what it is, but now you've got to look at the solution. The problem is, is the team is in a relegation battle two seasons in a row. The problem is that they've spent a lot of money on players that haven't repaid the investment that's been put in there. You can, normally what you do is you go to an owner, you don't put your hand in your pocket, you don't do what's right for the football club. This fella's done far too much with the wrong direction, with the wrong thinking, with the wrong people around him. People would have you believe that Marcel Brands was the best thing since sliced bread. Most of those players that were brought in were at his bequest. And you look at the managers and you look at the players and you say, well, what about you lot? What about what you've produced over the last two or three years? Because on the whole, there's been far better players in that football club than the level of performance. And the game against Man United, to me, is irrelevant. It's irrelevant. You can tell because it's a cup. Because it's a cup game. And Man United, what the, game, the games that showed me where Everton were were the two games before the break. Is they, it got, they got smashed to pieces by Bournemouth in both games. Uh, that was the sun. Is Simon right? Look at that. I mean, you're an ex-player. Are the players the problem? Of course, they're, they're, they're a big part of the problem, of course. Um, but I think when you go back to recruitment, I think that's why it is so key that you get the recruitment right. And you get the right characters and you do all the homework in terms of personality and behind the scenes. Because as players... 
I, I, whenever I hear, is he playing for the manager? I, honestly, I smile every time I hear that. As a player, all, to become a footballer, you've had to be the most selfish person out of all the people that try and make it. You've got to be the, the most selfish, the most greedy. You have to be that person to make it. And then no player goes out, I don't think, thinking, oh, I'm playing for the manager today. They don't. They think I'm, I'm playing for me and I'm playing for the team and the club. They don't right. think I am playing for the manager when things are going well and, the, and, the they, have, is, and they have... Are they listening to the manager? Yeah, that's, that's the thing. What do you, well, you, you think they are, Dean? That's I, a good point. Well, well, Simon, I, I think Frank's tried to bring in the right characters, a Connor Cody, a Tarkovsky, yeah. you know, players that he feels he can trust and that he's going to get a performance out of. Has it been a good enough performance? No, it hasn't. And we've seen a marked increase in players that I've been very critical, like Alex Awobi. You know, I know he's got injured now, but he's been massively influential in some of the upsides of Everton in recent times that got them out of the trouble that were in the back in the last season. Has become a very valuable player to them. But Everton, you know, yes, I get it. I get the reasons why they're being criticised. You can't criticise the commitment of Mashiri. You can criticise the bad judgment. And now he's got to straighten that ship. It's no good Vahid being absent. It's no good him not being at a game for seven months because he doesn't fancy listening to the background noise. And it's very easy to keep laying the blame at Bill Kenwright. And I know that people will say, well, because he's your mate. But also the backstory is, is that there are other reasons why Everton aren't as successful as some of the clubs that are more successful is because they've not had the financial wherewithal to be so. And again, that will be laid at Bill Kenwright's door. I think Everton should be doing far better than they are now. I think that, they, I, I, you know, I like Frank and I was one of the dissenting voices about how, how he was booted out of Chelsea. But I don't think he's a great coach. And I think you've got a double whammy there now. I think you've got not a good enough playing squad, which is the responsibility of the managers. I mean, he brought in Delhi Ali. I mean, he brought in uh, Donny van der Beek last year. Contrib contribution to Everton's plight was virtually zero. In fact, it probably was more detrimental. So I look at it and say, what is the point of saying sack the balls? What is the point of that? Hmm. I mean, the, the, the point, Simon, is they are acutely worried that they're going to go down this time. Yeah. And why not? It's relegation form. Yep. They've won 3-18. and 18. You have to think... You're down. You're looking at unless you turn this ship around soon, and they've got a chance this weekend against Southampton at home. You are heading to the championship. Well, that, Simple that's, as that's why the supporters are so worried. Yeah, and, and that's why they're looking at who should take the blame because they are very. I mean, they were close last season, and they're going to be very close. I think this season to relegation. You know, that's that's what all this money has. That's and been and the, spent the, the blame's been directed at culprits who who they think. On one hand, you're saying, and I, and I know, and I know that I'm sort of arguing against my own argument. On one hand, you're saying that the, most, more often than not, boards are people that you rail against because they won't invest in the football club. This board, be it Fahid Mashiri's board, has invested in a football club. They've just made very bad decisions. So yeah, but kept making you're, them. You're questioning. Are you questioning the commitment of this board? Or are you que questioning their acumen? We're, now, we're not if, quite, if you're questioning we're, their acumen, we're saying is the buck stops at the top. Well, yes, of course it does. In the end. The buck stops at the top and ultimately the, the guy that runs the football club is the guy that has to pay the consequences of it. And Mike Fahid Mashiri has paid the consequences of it. Now, if they've got, if they can tell me these Everton fans that are saying sack the board and people like Alan Stubbs, well, we've got these fellas in here that want to come in and they want to buy the football club and they want to pour millions of pounds into it to correct this ship and to be able to give it some more stability than the current uh, plight that it's suffering from, then that's a different discussion. 
But sacking the board makes me laugh because who's going to write checks out? Who's going to fund the deficit in the football club that's probably losing tens of million pounds? They lost 350 million quid over the last two or three seasons. Some of that is obviously COVID-related and some of it is because of the depreciation of the playing squad. But surely there'd be a buyer out there for Everton. There's a buyer for every club, is there not? There'd be a buyer for is Everton. There? Okay. Exciting well, times, well, new stadium, etc. Well, where are they then? Well, you, you keep telling us we, potential sat, American investors we, no, we, all over the place. We sat here, didn't we, in the summer, and who was who, who was talking about buying Everton? And I said, nonsense. I tell you, it was it was rent a quote Peter Kenyon running around trying to do crowdfunding to buy another football club, suggesting that he was going to buy um, Everton. I said, you know, of nonsense. The fact is, is that if there is a if there is a if there is a credible buyer that has real cash. Uh, that wants to come in and buy Everton, they're still going to suffer from the same plight of having their uh, having their transfer spend controlled by the Premier League because of the financial fair play constraints that they're governed by, which is the Premier League have got them on a watch list, or sort of special measures they're in. Um, you're still going to have the same challenge. I don't think Lampard is doing a particularly good job either. So it's compounded. But we never, Simon, hear from Everton, Everton's board. We never Now Farhad seems to have disappeared into the ether. We never hear anyone standing up from the board saying, we are the people who lead you out of this. Our decision-making will take Everton out of this problem and we will stay in the Premier League. Trust yeah, in I mean, us. Until, Trust in until, us. Until, rec- until recently, um, up, you know, up until recently, you did hear a lot from Mashiri. In the last year, you've not heard a lot at all. Yeah, uh, because of you. us. I grant you. Now no, he seems to have gone to ground. I mean, it's going to take that, something, that, that, that is what frustrates That's supporters right. the most, I think, is hearing nothing at all. I think it's, it is your role as an owner, personally, that you give information, albeit... You might not want to give a certain amount of information, but I feel like the, the supporters I I think they have com- a right to hear I, where their club is at. I think it's very easy to communicate when you're winning. I think you should of be course. communicating when you're losing as well. Yeah. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. And a lot of Evertonians would agree with what Dean just said. I mean, we're all agreed Benitez was a total waste of time, uh, says this fan, but it's a valid point. Sack the board because we need somebody else in there and we've got to get on with it. Evertonians getting somewhat impatient and who can blame them? They've won three times in 18 Premier League outings. Next up, it is must win, whatever way you look at it. This coming weekend at home to Southampton, must win. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is 
is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Of course, it's uh, the FA Cup and um, we're talking some have it. Some don't. I'm talking Dean, Dean Ashton about VAR. Of course, we've uh, get well used to that in the Premier League. What about this half and half approach for VAR in the Cup? D- does it affect the competition's integrity? I'll put more meat in the bones of that, Dean. Sheffield Wednesday's win over Newcastle. Two of the goals were questionable for offside. No VAR. Wolves at Anfield, and most Wolves fans would argue this, denied victory after Toti Gomez's last-minute winner was ruled offside. VAR. VAR some, but not others. What's this about? It's ludicrous for me. Absolutely ludicrous. How you can have, you know, effectively different playing fields in, in two different games that can affect... And, and and we're talking about, you know, a cup competition that can mean so much to certain clubs. Exactly. You know, it really can in terms of getting through, but also in terms of the, the lower league clubs where financially they would benefit from going through to the next round it's i just it's something that really bothered me throughout the whole weekend that You're they right. had it in different in different games and then again var just keeps showing itself i was someone that i did want video uh, video assistance but it just feels like time and time again the people operating it are making mistakes or or not certainly not you know showing it in the way that it should be, in the way that it should be used, but you'd be, and, and, but you'd, and again but you'd, to say that you haven't got the camera angle, but you'd be at wrong, Liverpool. Dean. See, because the tragedy of the argument is, is that facts trump sentiment. The sentiment is that VAR should work at a hundred percent of efficiency, so you should get it right every single time. The reality of it is, nothing works to that level. We did a statistical analysis Jim, before Christmas, I think, where it showed how many interventions that VAR has had on goal interventions that would never have been goals if, it, if VAR wasn't there, and how many did it miss that should have been. There were 44 interventions which resulted in a goal being given that wouldn't have been given otherwise, and six that said that they missed. So so we've got a situation where 90% of VAR interventions result in a goal being given. Now, once upon a time, VAR was described as a goal-removing system that was there to, to stop goals being scored. <laughs> now, the, the, the central theme of the argument we're making here, it is preposterous to suggest that a competition that is supposed to be on a level playing field enables one set of, of, of refereeing opportunities whilst another set are being deployed somewhere else. Mm. So you either have VAR through this entire tournament and every team plays with that benefit, or you don't have VAR at all. Yeah, And it's ridiculous. And given the fact that we've seen the statistics suggest that, that, that 44 goals have been awarded as a result of VAR, it's a goal-awarding machine. Mm. So that means in an FA Cup t- game, goals could potentially be awarded if you've got VAR that may not be awarded if you haven't. Yeah. That's, that's ridiculous. Could you it's, see, it's you know, queering what, the pitch. What about the Wolves goal? In actual fact, Dean, this was Lopetegui post-match. Uh, Lopetegui actually claimed the goal should have stood because he had his own little angle on his tactical camera that said, yeah, the goal should have stood. The offside that they have, uh, we still offside. Uh, we have seen and 
doesn't exist or website, sorry, it's impossible. We have seen, he, he have seen, but someone uh, tell him that he's offside because uh, we have seen the, the image and, and doesn't exist. Two touches are our players and in the second touch, uh, he, he doesn't work. I mean, not only was VAR uh, in use at Anfield, but Lopetegui had his own little system. And he's his own version of, of, of events. Simon's right, isn't he? This is the FA Cup, Dean. It's either in use for all ties or not at yeah, all. Yeah, I can't... And probably I, not at all. I can't agree more with that. I just... Nobody knew why at, at Anfield. The fans didn't know, the people watching, the people listening. No one actually really knew. It took, I think, possibly 10 minutes after the goal for there to be something that came out that said, well, we didn't have the, the camera angle to... To, to make absolutely sure so we have to go with you know the on-field the yeah. on-field decision which is crazy, crazy to think that they can't have the full pitch yeah. um analyzed but it and and i i still you know a, a big part of me still wants var because of the things that simon has have said and other things i think in the game that would stop you know simulation and 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 all, all of these type of things but for me, it's it's the it's the for example the Salah goal. It's the interpretation of some of the laws. It's the amount of time it takes. It's the fact that everyone's pretty much in the dark, especially in the stadium, in terms of what's actually what's actually going on. The that people fan, who that need fan to ex, know that fan yeah. experience. Yeah, yeah. There's still some real big issues that need tackling. Dean's absolutely right, Simon. It's in use at Anfield. Yeah. Mike Dean was on VAR Not duty. Not got it right for anything, really, did they? But they couldn't find Salah's any goal. clear and obvious reason to overturn the on-field decision as there was no definitive camera angle yep. to check the offside. Yeah. Well, so they've got it, but they can't really definitively use it. Um, again, we talked about the nature of, of cameras being utilised in the World Cup with a particular goal um, in the game against the Germans, wasn't it? Um, where yes, where yeah. a, a touchline Japan. Japan, yeah, where a touchline um, camera needed to be put into place, and an argument was being suggested that you need to cover the, the whole pitch. If that's the next evolution of VAR, then that's the next evolution. I still maintain that the one argument that I believe holds water is the diminishing of spontaneity by the time it takes to make a decision. I've always concurred with that argument. Danny Murphy's always made that as the ideal behind VAR, which is it it, it removes the instantaneous re reward of scoring a goal because mm. you're waiting to see if it's going to be awarded or not. I get that argument. But the idea that VAR somehow hasn't advanced the making decision-making process is just a load of old cobblers. Mm. Of course it has. It's eliminated more mistakes. It's been involved in awarding more goals. So it, once upon a time, it was it was it was it was called a system that was designed to stop awarding goals. That narrative's gone away now because the facts have superseded the backdrop of people's thinking, i.e. the sentiment of it all. Because we did the statistics before Christmas. 44 more goals being awarded as a result of VAR, six decisions being missed. Yeah. So that kills the argument that VAR is a goal-removing system. That's right. But they've still got work to do. They've got the referees to be getting better standards. They've got the authoritative nature of referees on the pitch decisions to be better. They've got the managers to behave themselves to stop influencing referees when they're running over to, to uh, the monitors. And they've got camera angles that could be improved. Fine. But we seem to live in this world where nobody can ever make a mistake besides the officials. Yeah. I That's agree. the only people that are not allowed to make a mistake. You, you got to think, Dean, they should scrap. Or should they scrap VAR for the FA Cup at this point? Well, they should, well I think it's not actually feasible, is it, to have VAR at certain 
no. certain stadiums. So you ha- you can't have it then. So so you you just, you, well, that's the point. Gotta... What they're saying is clearly, if you've got there's no there's no configuration for anything other than the Premier League, right? No other grounds have got them. The Championship mm. grounds haven't necessarily got them, have they? And neither is League One and League Two. That's a cost implication situation because the licensing fees for VAR are about 150 grand a year, and the infrastructure set up is a couple of hundred grand. Mm. So none of these clubs in League One are going to want to pony up 350 thousand quid to yeah. VAR. So that's the decision. What football should be able to do is we're so awash with money. All we're going to do is we're not going to make it two games. We're not going to make it a game in the Premier League. We've already allowed the financial game to change the direction of football. We're not going to allow the rules to change it. What the Premier League should be doing with the FA is giving 25 million quid to go and fund 80 football clubs or... or, or it's not easy football clubs. It's, it's, it's 72 outside of the Premier League yeah. with VAR. I mean, the argument mm-hmm. is, Dean... For professional football. Had there been no VAR at Liverpool Wolves, Wolves could be in the next round. Well, possibly, yeah, possibly. Two, two, of the, two of the goals at Sheffield Wednesday were questionable, but yes. there's no VAR. <laughs> no, and I, th- I did, I did see a lot um, on social media that were saying how great it was to watch the games that didn't have VAR. <laughs> and so there is, there's still a disconnect. There's still a massive yeah. disconnect between yeah. VAR being here and the fan experience because and how con- they feel about also, it. And- we are led by, we are being led by a dissenting section of the media and a sec- dissenting section of pundits that keep on railing against it. Now, I know, I don't suggest you should say, well, that's white because you want to convince people it's white rather than red. Mm. You've got to call things for what they are. They're poisoning the minds of people by saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And, and I get some of it, but I think if there were less dissent and more support of things, then you wouldn't find so much resistance yeah. from the viewing public. You're 100% essential down. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. Don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in 3 years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly 3 years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.